Hey guys, welcome to episode 5. I think it's 5. If it's not, I'm sure the title will accurately reflect what it is. But anyway, I wanted to talk about a franchise that I'm a huge fan of, and I'm sure a lot of people are, but what I wanted to specifically go into was how amazing the universe is and almost how criminally underexplored it's been. And that's Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect for a second, but it's a absolutely phenomenal universe with lots of uh, fantastic creatures and characters that we've seen. But there's also just so much left to the imagination and left to the potential of really good movies, whereas after the first three, or you know, I personally consider it the first two, is uh, two and three just seem like they're supposed to be one movie that could be like a Patton-esque three and a half, four hours long, but instead it's two. But anyway, um, the ones after those first three are, are kind of bad. I mean, they're still enjoyable. Like a bad Jackie Chan movie is still a great movie because Jackie Chan just makes it shine. I mean, like you get to watch some goofy action and stuff. You still get to have some goofy Jack Sparrow antics and see familiar faces, so it's never a bad movie, but they're definitely not the caliber that they were before. Anyway, I think these are taking away from potential movies that would be amazing and to explore some of the things that the universe either shows us and leaves us to wonder how it came to be or things, new things altogether. So you have the nine pirate lords and their respective domains. I would absolutely want to see what pirating is like in those various places, like in, in China and in Africa and uh, on the European seas, I guess, sort of, I don't know, I guess we kind of get a glimpse of that. But I think... Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to explore there. The codex, the, the code, guarantee there's a thousand and one cool stories you could tell as to how uh, Morgan and Bartholomew put that forth and how that was came to be. Also, Captain uh, Teague, Jack's dad, we'd love to hear more about. And I probably have a question, too, about how his mom is a shrunken head at this point as well. Um I remember at the end of the third movie, they teased The Fountain of Youth, and that turned out to be a very real thing that they explored in a later movies. So I know there's a, a lot of potential out there. I think there's also sort of the problem of some characters aren't getting enough attention and, and character exploration, and then some almost get too much. So I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently uh, about this, and I figured that Captain Barbosa who is absolutely one of my favorite characters in the franchise. I think a amazing example of that kind of Machiavellian villain where they're very learned and, and clever and intelligent, but dangerous and, and dastardly and murderous, like a Moriarty or a Lex Luthor to a Superman. I, uh, I guess I don't use a Batman example here only because I feel Batman is sort of a, a white mirror parallel of, of that villain where he has the same um, M.O. as that kind of character, but he uses it for a, a just purpose. So, I mean, specifically for justice. So Anyway, um, Barbosa's great. In that first, um, in that first movie, he's the captain of an undead pirate crew, and he's you know obviously bad enough and tough enough to keep them in line. But he's also clever, and he's clearly like traveled the seas, and you know he's he's very cool. Um, you also there's almost a sympathy for him when he explains like that their curse is also like obviously a burden, and the food tastes not but ash or something. So very very cool. Number two and three is truly where he shines as someone who can 
tangle with the supernatural on a physical sword fighting level and also on a learned level he can corral the pirates he's he's pretty badass i put him back at number probably number one or two of favorite character in the series also his entrance at the end of god i think it's the end of two i don't know i'm blanking at the moment but when he walks down those stairs at tia dalma's house that i mean that was before the avengers as far as i can remember that was probably the most surprised and anticipated i'd been in a movie situation for a movie to come like oh man he's back and he's a good guy and uh amazing stuff and for a movie to do that it, it, everything else aside that's a great feat but i think as the movies went on specifically the the, the very next one after 3 the one that probably was one too many the beginning of a bad trend he <clears throat> and i want to clarify that for a second not necessarily bad movies like a bad Jackie Chan movie, a bad Pirates of the Caribbean movie, is still enjoyable. You still get the same Jackie Chan silly, you know, kung fu antics in a bad movie. So there's something worthwhile to watch. In a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you get your Jack antics, you get your familiar faces, your Master Rigetti with the eye and his older friend. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, it's just, you know, they're not bad. They're just not as good as the original trilogy. But... Anyway, you get Barbosa, and he's suddenly, you find out with intent later, you find out the reason behind this, but suddenly he's like sold out to the crown, which is automatically kind of hard to see, and he's missing his fucking leg, and you're like, well, okay, so he's either faking this, and it's kind of annoying, or he got his leg cut off, and it's like, okay, it's to introduce how badass Blackbeard is, but in the end, he wasn't really that badass, and... and Barbosa, I guess, gets his ship, which is cool. But in the next one, he's even more of a fop, and he's just kind of dressed in this, like, extreme opulence, and his ship is like this gilded opera hall, and it's like, man, he was, like, such a badass at the helm of the Pearl, and even in the second and third movie, and now he's, like, clearly driven by some weird, I don't know, gentrifying ambition. Like, he needs to get himself up there and get the ship up there, and everyone's well-dressed on his ship, and it's like... You had a monkey for a while, and that was your thing. And you killed a lot of people while laughing, which was also really cool. And now, you know, should have probably left that character alone. But very, very much an amazing universe. All the characters also seem to share this common pool of knowledge, which makes um, character lores a lot more, I don't know, vivid. When you have a lot of characters referencing and acknowledging the same things and places, and, oh, you've been to Shangri-La, like, yeah, do you know the way to do that? Like, there's this sort of stand that that the content gets raised by, where it's a lot more fleshed out just by dint of it existing between the dialogue. It's not just something they read in a book or somewhere they have to go. These characters have been there. They have knowledge of it. There's other characters you can seek out for knowledge of it. Just, uh, it really has a lot of... Of potential. I thought as well worth mentioning because I was speaking to my wife about what the best villain is in this franchise, and I used to think it was Davy Jones because I love Davy Jones. He, it's again perfect villain. He's really got that um, Phantom of the Opera thing going with his organ playing, but he one hundred percent is uh, is terrifying. I mean, especially when you see him tentacle murder that guy in the third one. That's just probably the single most brutal death in the franchise 
all, all seven movies included. It was a kid's movie at the time, too, I think. Good for them. So not only is he that physical prowess and crab claw and just general terrifyingness, but Bill Nye, or Bill, Bill Nye, Bill Nye, I don't want to mispronounce it. I've heard it so many different ways. One of the most talented actors of, of all time. Just his, his demeanor, the way he carries himself, the gravitas in his voice and, and facial performance in roles where he's CG'd as a squid man. He still absolutely brings it and still gives a chilling and stirring performance. So he's 100% someone who I would say was the best villain, but I had to give pause because I think, this is an opinion, but Lord Cutler Beckett, the East India Trading Company, excuse me, is probably the best villain. And I think it's very much, as he falls into something that I actually talked about in an earlier episode, is that it's that Lex Luthor villain archetype that is so appealing on a really base human level. It's to say that Lex Luthor is humanity, is the everyman, in the terms of he is not a metahuman, he's not an alien from another planet, there's no magic imbuing him. We'll get to what, you know, aids his suit and his suit later, but you have a character who stands for the human race. He does so selfishly. No question, he does so to further his own ambition, and he does so to be the one who holds all the cards. And I'm aware that there's a lot of comics I've read where he is sort of a dictator when he does take power. I've also read a lot of them where he's benevolent, or where his alternate version from other Earths, usually Alexander, not Lex, in, in name, they're uh, benevolent, and they help, and they're kind to, to the people. So there's obviously different directions you can take that character, but it's to say an example of a villain who is able to, or wants to, tangle with something that is above their natural ability to fight. I mean, a lot of uh, Superman and Dr. Manhattan and those kinds of characters, a lot of what, what is so awe-inspiring about them is the sheer magnitude of that kind of a being and how, you know, as Batman would say, how they could just destroy you with a thought if they wanted to. So you have just that sort of primal awe of that and these are people who tangle with that i mentioned dr manhattan because i think ozymandias or ozymandias however you want on that he's an example of that he uses his cunning his his wit his intelligence and his his industry his empire to combat what is essentially a godlike being on earth lex luther very much the same words could be said for both um you have Lord Cutler Beckett coming in and using his industry and his resources in a much older time in a much more wild and free environment, but to, to tame that evil and that wildness. He's using the East India Trading Company's massive armada and resources to corral the devil of the sea into his service. He's got the legendary, I'll say like biblically legendary Leviathan of the Kraken killed at his best. Like he doesn't even do it. That's the thing. You can be a extremely powerful and fearsome foe and kill the Kraken, but to just give the word and have it killed, come on. But the best part is what really separates him. And the only reason I say he's not necessarily the best villain, definitely the most distinguished, is that in the end he loses because he's not prepared for battle. And that's really 
I don't want to hype. It's not really clickbait, I guess. <laughs> but I think he is only the second best villain. I would still say Davy Jones is the superior villain because they're toe-to-toe, and I would honestly give it to Cutler Beckett, but at the turning of the battle at World's End, when Davy Jones no longer controls the Flying Dutchman, it's Will, and it's rallied with the Black Pearl as like flagship of the, the pirate side, and they're both getting ready to broadside uh, Beckett's ship, slowly one on either side. I'm, I'm doing it with my hands as if you can see it. I apologize. So both ships are approaching on opposite sides, you know what I mean, with the Beckett's in the middle like a sandwich. And as they're preparing to broadside and all the pirates and Davy Jones are preparing to fire, or rather Will Turner, Beckett is just so frozen and stalled with terror or surprise you can really interpret it in a few ways. But he fails to act. He fails to give an order to fire. He fails to give any order at all. And the ship is obliterated. Just absolutely smashed. And it's a huge ship. It's unquestionably the flagship of the East India Trading Company. And to see it decimated causes the others to flee. And uh, the pirates have their day. You have someone who is a phenomenal driving force of of the movie in terms of a villain, and they've essentially conquered the sea. But when it came down to that raw combat, there was that hesitation. There was that lack of, of acting. And I wonder, I don't think in the end it's fear with Cutler Beckett, which is why it's, it's not like he goes out like a bitch, so to speak. I think it's just surprise and disappointment because he's so calculated and he's so driven to his plan and his you know, visioned out destination and ambition, he absolutely failed to see that outcome. <laughs> just 100% was like, fuck, I didn't think of this, and then just watching it happen around him. But still, I think Davy Jones overall, I mean, Blackbeard is Blackbeard, but he's too powerful to establish that late in the series, so super limited, and in the end, he's gone. And let's be honest, he seemed like he was only there to be a prop for the female, um, I really don't remember her name, I'm sorry, the one fade, played by that lady, the love interest kind of in the fourth one, the Latino lady. Anyway, um, I think that's probably all I got on Pirates of the Caribbean. Sorry if I ran a little long. I've uh, I got the movie fights extravaganza from Screen Junkies going in the background, and I think sometimes I'd have to maybe pay attention to that because this episode's amazing. By the way, they're doing, I mean, it's probably way too late to contribute. It, maybe if it's not, it's always nice to see. They're doing like a fundraiser for women in film, which is great. You can always do with more women. Yeah. Always do with more women in film, especially at a time now where it's kind of become bleak and spooky in Hollywood. And I definitely can understand for women, like people that are getting into that industry, like seeing all this Weinstein bullshit must kind of suck so yeah if you guys want to check it out you can do what you can more importantly though just not more importantly but um equally importantly check out their channel their stuff's awesome i spoke about it before but um the movie fights extravaganza is like basically i guess in also in light of it's like infinity war it's a huge crossover of characters and people that you maybe haven't seen in the show if you're a fan for a couple years like uh for example, I just I kept pausing it to watch the Monday Night Rock as they brought um, Nick Monday back after two years. But anyway, I will see you guys next time and hope you enjoyed. Bye.